This is uh, part two of our uh, series, Building Better Relationships, and we'll do some quick review just to kind of get us up to speed and we'll jump in. Uh, one of the definitions I told you about the word relationship is connection, and uh, we're connected to people. Relationships, those connections to people, are everywhere all the time, constant. It is a never-ending thing in any area of your life that you have relationships with people. And uh, we obviously have those people that are closer to us than others, but nonetheless, we are dealing with people all the time. And, uh, you know, we mentioned this last week, but we would all agree that if, if you treat people sweeter, the odds are, what are they going to do to you? They're going to treat you that way too. In other words, if you come in all blah, 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 huffing and puffing and picking and pointing and, and doing all that, you're not going to get anywhere probably. In fact, you may even block the help that you need. The more frustrated you get, uh, the more someone doesn't want to help you. And so they'll, they'll you know, kind of back off a little bit and make things even harder than they were. And so one of the things that we need to remember in relationships is that it really would pay us to develop some skills to go into a situation, whether it be a confrontation or whether it just be a, a, you know, a hard discussion, a challenge, something that you're not enthused to deal with or you're having trouble with, and go into it with some thought taking place beforehand, not just barging in and blah, 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 blah. Because again, that's going to it's just not going to help. It's going to make things harder than they were. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever said anything and, and while you're saying it, shut up is in your head? I mean, the words are coming out of your mouth and you're like, shut up, you know, but the words are continuing to leave my mouth. They're continuing to come out, you know? Well, we all need to learn to think before we speak, to take some time and give thought to what we're going to say. And we'll get into some nitty-gritties today. One of the things, though, that we pointed out last week to help you understand how important and valuable relationships are between God and us, and us and Him, and also the people that we run into all the time, whether it be family or co-workers or people we run into while we're shopping or whatnot, Remember, what is the greatest commandment ever? In other words, the greatest commandment, the biggest thing God told us to do. He said what? Essentially, love God with everything that you have and then love others the way you love yourself, right? I mean, that's essentially what he said. Well, think about that. The number one highest priority God has for our life deals with relationships, deals with connections. It's all about that. If you take away your relationship with God and you take away your relationship with people, what do you have left? There's nothing left. Everything comes down to that. All the other things we do in life are what? Everything else you do in life are to help you in those relationships, right? I mean, everything else you do, whether it be you know, working to earn money to put on the table to pay the bills to what? Help those that you're related to, right? To honor the Lord with the tithe. Everything that you do in life comes back to what? It comes back to your relationships. And so our relationships are important. We need to, at times in our life, stop 
and take stock of how we're acting, what we're doing, evaluate how we deal with situations. You know, we're going to have to deal with hard things. We're going to have to deal with conflict. We're not always going to agree on everything. But the fact is, we've got to learn how to communicate in the middle of that anyway. And in our, in our world, I'm telling you what, we can find tons of things not to agree on. All you've got to do is watch the news, and it's all about someone not agreeing on something. You know, everything is about not agreeing on something. And so we need to come up with some way of communicating in a good way right in the middle of all this. I really do believe that when the Bible talks about uh, that everything we're to communicate, we're to communicate in love. In other words, we are to communicate the truth, right? We have to have the truth. That's the basis for everything. But it must be communicated in love. Love is our motivator. Love is your motivator in everything. And when love is not your motivation, then you need to check your motivation. Because something else is wrong. See, in a relationship, if love is not our motivator, then what else could be the motivator? Maybe selfishness? Maybe that's what I want, and what about my needs, and what about me, and so everything turns to you. But if you, if you take the love of God and you bring it into the situation, it's a game changer. It changes everything. It changes your viewpoint. It changes your attitude. It changes uh, the dynamics of that particular relationship. And so it's important that we grow in our ability to communicate. Communicate. Communicating involves talking and listening and understanding and taking action. And as we said, any relationship can only be as successful as the communication. As I mentioned last week, you take a marriage that has weak communication, we're going to have a weak marriage. There's no way of getting around it. Any relationship that we have is all dependent upon communication. And that relationship will not be any better than our ability to communicate. There's a lot to be said regarding communication. It's not as simple. As I mentioned last week, just to review, there were six messages that come across when you are talking with someone. And when you think about these things, they're all true, but it almost seems like, wow, communicating can be complicated, can it? And it can be. But it's a skill that we can learn, that we can grow, that we can develop in, even if you're real good. Some people are better at it than others, it seems like, just naturally. But it doesn't mean we can't grow. It doesn't mean we can't develop. But there are six things that you communicate when you're talking with someone. One is what you mean to say. Two is what you actually say. <laughs> Three, what the other person heard you say. Notice that they all potentially can be different, even though I'm the only one talking. So we have what you mean to say, what you actually say, what the other person heard you say, what the other person thinks they heard you say, what the other person says about what you said, and then what you think the other person said about what you said. Wow. I mean, there's a lot involved there. See, all we're usually doing when we're communicating is what? We're opening our mouth and we're letting words fly out, and we think that's all there is to it. And that's pretty simple, but... (laughs) That is not going to produce good relationships. That's not necessarily good communication because we're not necessarily listening to what the other person is saying. We're not not focusing on their side of things. And so um, let's look at our steps. We started with step one. We have several steps on how we can build better communications or how we can build better relationships. 
So step one was put God first. I know that's something that we bring up often, but the fact is this, and I need everybody to pay attention. This is so important. When we put God first in our life, and that is an action, that is on purpose. It does not happen by accident. You can't put God first by accident. It has to be something that you are waking up in the morning making a decision to put Him first. To put Him first in every area of your life. You're putting Him first. Think about every area of your life. You have your thought life. You have your financial life. You have your relationships with your spouse or children or grandchildren, your relationships with your coworkers, your actual work, uh, what you do and how you handle your physical body, what you consume, uh, exercise, so on and so forth. We can go on and on and on. The words that we speak out of our mouth, we put God first in every single area. And somebody might say, that seems a little overwhelming. I mean, you, everything? Well, what we do is we take it one bite at a time. See, you're only doing one thing at a time, right? You should only be doing one thing at a time. And, and so with that being said, what you do is you say, okay, I'm not talking to anybody right now. I'm in my own mind. I'm, so think about what you're thinking about. And is this a godly thought? Is this line up with God's word? If not, deal with it. If words are coming out of your mouth that are not godly, that are not lining up with the word, then change them. You know What I'm saying is one thing at a time. And if you keep on doing this over a period of weeks and months and sometimes years, you eventually get to the point that you've pretty much caught every area. That you're never going to be com- flawless. Okay, you're going to make mistakes no matter how mature you are. You're in flesh and you're just going to make them. You know, we have a real enemy trying to trip us up. We're in flesh and blood bodies. We, we are in a world that's corrupted and fallen. And so we're going to make mistakes, but we can get to the point that the mistakes become fewer and far between. We can grow and develop. And that's our goal in every, every time we come to church. That's our goal, isn't it? to grow, to develop, so that I'm not fighting the same issue I was fighting last year. Amen? We should always be growing to where we're taking on a new battle in a new area. You know, it seems like the moment you think, I think I've got everything under control, God will shine the light on something, I promise. The Holy Spirit <laughs> will, will unveil some area in your life that, okay, now that you've got all that done, let's focus on this. And we just keep on working with them. Now, Putting God first, the benefit to putting God first in His Word first, okay, His Word first, acting on it, doing it on purpose, is that when you do this, it kind of automatically puts your priorities in order, all right? If you put God first and you're seeking first the kingdom of God, you're getting to His Word, and when, you, when He unveils something to His Word, you adjust and repair and so on and so forth and fix your life a little bit then you're keeping things in order. You're keeping the priority in your life in order. And so if you're seeking God first and you're really pressing into Him, you're not likely to get lost into things. Okay. In fact, what's going to happen is there'll be this battle between the two. And if you keep on pressing into God, you'll realize, nope, I can't let that control me. All right, it's just an example. And so it keeps our priorities right, which will help in our relationships. The Word of God tells us how to live. For example, we looked at, you know, if you want to write it down, Ephesians 4.29, uh, where it says, let no corrupt 
uh, word proceeded of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Well, what is that scripture telling us? It's telling you and me, don't allow negative, hurtful, destructive words out of your mouth. Don't allow that to happen, but allow only encouraging, helpful words. In other words, if it isn't going to help someone, if it isn't going to be a productive word, el shut up Okay? That's it. Just shut up. You know? I mean, don't, don't say anything. Remember, what's the, the whole thing? You know, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. So that's, where do you think that wisdom came from? The Bible. You know? And so... What we need to understand is what is God saying? He's, he's saying, listen, listen to me carefully. You ought to write this down. If you control your mouth, you can control your life. You ought to write that down. If you can control your mouth, you can control your life. Now, you might say, well, that sounds pretty easy. <laughs> no, not hardly, not hardly. Why? Because your mouth is connected to your brain. <laughs> your mouth is connected to your flesh. Your mouth is connected to your spirit. And so there's all these different sources coming in. Um, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, whatever you've been filling yourself up with is going to come out. That's whether it's good or bad. That's, it's got, it, it doesn't mean just good things, guys. It means that whatever you've been filling yourself up, whatever you've been absorbing, whatever you've been watching, whatever you've been consuming, and we are a media-consuming empire in the United States. That's all people do sometimes, just consume media. Just consume it in some different form, whether it be on their phone or, or on the internet at home on the computer or on the radio or the TV's playing. or We got it coming in all the time, and we're consuming. Well, guess what? That is impacting you. It's going to impact your life. It's going to impact your words. So what God is saying is, watch what you're doing. Put me first. And then obey my word. And his word says, again, control the words coming out of your mouth. So let's get into some practical things, okay? Practical things. They're all in the word of God, but the word of God is practical. The word of God is real. It's not just this spiritual thing. It gets right down to where we live in life. And so step two, okay, of building better relationships. Step two, seek to understand. Seek to understand. A lot of the times when we speak, we are totally focused on being understood. I'm just giving my point of view and my argument and my side of things. And all we're thinking about when someone else is talking is what? Our rebuttal. What we're going to say to what they're saying. We're not thinking and focusing on what they're saying really getting down to the nitty-gritty. Now, some of you are better that than others, especially somebody maybe quiet. I am not that way. Naturally, all I want to do is attack. I want to, you know, I want to give my response, my argument. I want to make sure my side is known. Anybody in here like that a little bit? Don't raise your hand. All right. And so that's just the natural me, all right? God's constantly working on it constantly working on it all right but the fact is is that we need to seek to understand that what we need to do is when we're talking to someone and we're communicating especially if it's in an area of disagreement 
you need to really genuinely want to understand the other party. Do you realize if we could get the leaders in the world to do this in a room, how much things would change? But see, everybody's just concerned about their part. But see, you do the same thing. You get in an argument with your spouse and this one wants this one and this one wants that one or wants it this way or wants to go here or whatever it might be. And what you do is, what is an argument? Think about what an argument is. An argument between two people is what? I'm only focused on my side. I'm not, I don't care what you think. I don't care what your opinion is. I don't care what your feelings are about it. I am only concerned about standing my ground, having my way. So what is arguments rooted in? Selfishness. Selfishness. They're rooted in selfishness. So what we want to do is we want to seek to understand. Listen, understanding, when you think of understanding, a lack of it can break lifelong relationships. A lack of understandings of understanding is how wars are started. A lack of understanding are how hearts are broken, how lives are torn apart, how bridges to relationships are absolutely destroyed because no one wants to understand the other one. But if we will seek to understand, then we can build bridges, restore relationships. We can connect people to make life better because we can do better together than we can apart. Remember what Jesus said about a house divided? If you were going to make war with someone, well, what would be an easy way to take away some power from them? Divide their house. In other words, get them to have strife in there and not be in agreement. And, and, and they, well, guess what? A, guess, I mean, think about this from a spiritual perspective. If you were the devil and you wanted to steal and you wanted to kill and you wanted to destroy, would you not do your best to disrupt a nation? To what? Get them to fight among themselves. What are we doing in America? We fight among ourselves. Now, you go ahead and attack our nation and we will band together for a few days. And we will link arms and we will take out anybody that tries to harm one of us. But amongst ourselves, <laughs> you know, we got issues. We got problems, okay? We are one nation. And yet, if the enemy really wanted to come in and he wanted to destroy a nation, if he wanted to weaken a nation, what would he do? Exactly what he's doing. Think about it for just a moment. Well, if the devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy in your family, what would be his goal? To get the husband and wife to fight and argue and disagree, strife. And then he would get the kids involved if he could and any other family members and maybe some people pick sides. Think about it. What, what's happening is we're not communicating. And, and, and again, our relationships, the strength of them are based on what? Communication. Good communication. But see, with all this other stuff going on, no one's seeking to repair the problem. No one's seeking to solve the problem. All we're doing is saying, I'm going to have my way. What about me? See, you can't have that. You can't have that and the love of God at the same time. It doesn't work that way. The love of God is never about like me. The love of God is I love you, period. <laughs> you don't have to respond to me at all. 
I love you. I will sacrifice for you. I will help you. I will do what's necessary to make you successful despite myself. And see, when you bring that into a marriage, I cannot see how marriage could end up in divorce court. Now, the fact is, again, we live in a corrupt, fallen world, and some of us didn't know these things at one time. We, we didn't understand these things. And so we didn't understand about walking in love because all of a sudden the room got very, very quiet when I brought that up. The fact is, is that we need to understand that the love of God can solve any issue, any problem, any challenge. Can it not? How many of you believe God is successful? Everybody? Well, what is God? He's love. And what does the Bible say? Love never fails. So all we got to do is walk in the love of God and we'll never fail for the rest of our life. But the key is what? To walk in the love of God. We can't fail if we walk in the love of God. But we have to bring that love into our communication. We have to bring it into, I want to understand. Now, I've been married a long time now. And Lisa and I, I think our battles are uh, fewer and far between, but we still have them sometimes, and sometimes they're over the dumbest things. I'm talking dumb, 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 dumb. I mean, I would be embarrassed if some of you knew what some of them were about. I would want to crawl under a rock, you know, because you were like, seriously, Pastor? I mean, come on, you know. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Before you throw rocks at this glass house, we all live in a glass house. Do we not? Right? We all have our issues and our struggles. And sometimes in our own personal lives and in our, like, whether it be marriages or families or brothers and sisters or so on and so forth, we tend to loosen up at home and we tend to not be on guard. And we'll say things and we'll do things that we wouldn't ordinarily do in front of someone else that we respected and honored. Even though the person at home should be the most highly respected and most honored. After all, they're willing to live with you. I owe my wife a lot because she's willing to live with me. (laughs) You know, she's willing to stay with me and didn't quit, you know. Amen? How many can say amen to that? I mean, the fact is, is that we all have room to grow, but we need to seek to understand. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5. A wise man will hear and increase learning. Notice that. A wise man will hear and increase learning. What does that mean? That person is seeking to understand the other person. So a wise man will hear and increase learning. A man of understanding will attain wise counsel. You know what, what he's saying here? God is saying... You need to come to the place you don't know everything. You need to come to a place that maybe someone else has an opinion, has an idea, has something that might be better than yours. Or they might have a point of view that you're not seeing. Isn't, again, every argument, I don't know, I I just think of marriage because I've been married a long time. That's the person I argue with. (laughs) If I have an argument, I don't usually have it with someone else, you know, maybe occasionally, but not very often. It's just my wife and I. But when I think about sometimes what the argument is, it is simply about me not really listening to her. 
and she's not really listening to me. You know, we're not valuing each other's feelings about a situation or something we want to buy or a reason we want to buy it. So what would be something we could do? Well, one of the things we would do is I would start to listen to what she's saying and not think about my response. I'm only listening to what she's saying. And she does the same thing. That's a game changer. If we would just start there. So again, seek to understand more than being understood. Quit trying to make your argument and really seek to understand the other person. Step three, really listen. Everybody say it with me. Really listen. Well, that was sad. Weren't you listening? Everybody say this with me. Really listen. Now let's try that again. Really listen. One more time. Really listen. Now think about it. I told you to say really listen a moment ago. and You you know, some of you said, some of you didn't. I mean, you weren't even really listening then. (laughs) You know, think about this. When we come to really listening, if I were, when we were done, to give you each a sheet, 10 questions, and they're all relating right out of my notes, right out of my message that I preach, do you know how many different answers we would get? And some of you would say, he talked about that? I don't even remember, you know? Why? Sometimes we're not really listening. Oh, we're looking. (laughs) You're looking at me, you know, or I think you're looking at me, you know. You're looking through me, but you're not really listening. How how many times you ever caught yourself? Come on. You're sitting in here and you're thinking about the grocery list. You're thinking about something else, and you catch yourself because you're not going to get any value thinking about other things while you're in here. But the point is, is really listening to someone. That is, if I would say out of all this, the single best thing you could do is really learn to listen to someone else. Really learn to listen to what they're saying and not get distracted. And that's easier said than done. Sometimes we're just kind of, you know, remember Charlie Brown? Wah, 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 the teacher. In the background, you know, all the kids could talk normal, but ma, 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 all the adults. You know, well, sometimes I think that's what we're hearing out of someone. Ma, 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 ma. You know, or again, we're in a conversation and all we're thinking about, all we're focusing on, we're not listening to what they're saying. We're only listening to our response. We're formulating our response. That means I'm not really listening to what they're saying. And that is a valuable key in communication. Again, I'm seeking to understand what they're saying, and I'm listening to what they're saying. I'm not partially. I'm not picking up bits and pieces. For example, you know what? There is the letter of the law, and there's the spirit of the law. Do you understand the difference? The letter of the law is, you did this, and boom, that's what's going to happen. The spirit of the law is what Jesus showed us. Okay, when they would pick on where he would not necessarily break the law, but he might bend things a little bit for a situation. And he would, again, he's not breaking the law. He kept the law. Okay, but he would he he would look at it from the love of God's perspective and say people are more important than a law. You understand what I'm saying? There are certain laws and things uh, that we can get so locked into that we walk right over people, right over relationships. 
And God valued relationships more than the letter of the law. That's what Jesus came to show us. Everybody thought God the Father is out there squishing and smacking on bugs because they miss little things. And Jesus comes and shows us that's not what God's like, didn't he? He showed us what? Compassion. He showed us the heart of God. He showed us God's attitude towards things. And that he, God wants our heart, not just our outward willingness. Not just words. Not just doing it because I have to, but doing it because I want to. There's a big difference between, again, the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. Well, there's also that way when it comes to listening. My son used to amaze me, okay? He could be playing a video game, looking at the screen, doing his whole thing, and I would be like spouting out some things I wanted him to do. And I'm talking for a couple minutes, and he didn't look at me one time. And then when it was all said and done, I said, you didn't hear a word I said. He'd pause the game. You said, like he was a recorder. Every word, verbatim, that I said. I don't know how his mind worked that way, but he could ask my wife. He could do it. And I'm thinking, you know, but see, there's a difference between just listening to repeat and listening to seek, to understand, to act on the spirit of it. You understand what I'm saying? I can listen like a soldier can listen, for example, to a superior officer, and he's going to do what his superior officer said. Why? Because there's repercussions if he doesn't. He's going to do it. But there's a difference between wanting to do it out of your heart and doing it just because I, you know, I have to. Or I want to avoid a fight. Or I want to avoid a challenge. In other words, seek in your heart to understand when you communicate with someone, especially someone close to you, and desire to listen so that you can be a blessing. Desire to listen so that you can act on it and do something with it with the love of God, not just, yes, ma'am. A lot of husbands that will do that with their wives. Their wife might give a list, yes, ma'am, like they're in the military, you know. Why? Well, there's repercussions if I don't do it, you know. (laughs) The house will get really cold, you know. I mean, food will be not good, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, there may be repercussions to it. But what if I just did it and I listened to my wife thoughtfully, I listened and I cared about what she cared about. So I didn't just do the job, I actually went the extra mile. You see the difference there? There's a difference. Really listen to what someone's saying. Now listening again doesn't come naturally, I believe. I believe that's something that we have to develop. And what I mean is really listening. Look with me, James 1.19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Notice the Word of God is instructing us. Be quick to listen. Focus on listening and be slow to speak. Slow in your response. You know, I've met some people in my life that were slow to respond to someone. You know, they might even be in an interview or some situation where people are asking questions and they just, they would thoughtfully think about what they were going to say and people would say, they're kind of slow, you know. Things aren't working right. Why? Because they had to think about what they were saying. They would thoughtfully respond instead of just blurting out the first thing that come out of your mouth. That's how a lot of politicians get themselves busted. 
just blurting out the first thing, and guess what? It's all recorded. <laughs> it's, all, it's already on the news. You know, it's too late now. When if they would just stop and think for a moment, I thought about what you said, and here's my answer. And, and, and I thoughtfully responded to it. Slow to speak. Everybody say slow to speak. It's a good trait, right? That's what the Bible says. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. We know that anger just stirs up more anger. It's not helpful. It doesn't, even though it seems natural, it's not helpful. So focusing, focus on listening and be slow in thinking about your response. That means I'm listening to what you're saying, then I think of the response. Did everybody hear what I said? I hear what you said, then I think of my response. Not I think of my response while you're talking. Because if I'm thinking of my response while you're talking, I'm not really listening. I'm only formulating my response. Proverbs 18, 13. He who answers a matter before he hears it, it is a folly and a shame to him. That is one many of us have been caught in. We answered a matter before we actually heard it. We responded to something without getting all the facts. See, Clara's over there. Yes, I understand that. I've been guilty of that. I mean, I, I have been... I jumped the gun and, and, you know, jumped conclusions and... And then I realized, that was stupid. I didn't even hear all the facts. I didn't know all the details. And boy, that you can eat some humble pie after that. Because you realize, man, you know, well, what is the Bible saying here? If you answer a matter before you hear it, if you jump to conclusions, if you deal with it before you have all the facts, it's a folly and a shame to him. You're going to embarrass yourself. And it's not going to help the situation. So remember, when we're listening, there's more to listening than just, for example, listening with my physical ear. I'm listening to what they're saying. For example, I want you, okay, to ask me a question, okay? Maybe like, hey, how would you like, are you free next Wednesday? Would you like to go get lunch? Okay, you do that. Are you free next Wednesday? Would you like to go lunch and get lunch? Uh, Sure. Now, how would he feel then? When I was looking around while he was talking, like I'm really, yeah, I'll do you a favor. You know, I'll have lunch with you. I mean, you pee on. I mean, but he's not. But you see what I'm saying? I mean, didn't it? Wasn't it weird me looking around while you're talking to me instead of looking you in the eye, right? Well, we need to remember that sometimes we're busy. I mean, I'll see people, you know, get their phone out. Yeah, huh? Okay. Yep. I mean, come on. That's, I mean, my wife, when she does this all the time, wives do this, husbands are watching TV, and I can guarantee you a husband cannot do more than one thing at a time, I promise. That's just the way God designed us. And if we're watching the TV, we're watching the TV. So no matter what we say, huh? Yep. Uh huh. You can be assured we didn't hear a word you just said. You know, it's like an automatic thing, like I can drive without remembering where I went. It's like an automatic thing. And so she'll do talking. Yeah, huh, okay. And then she'll come back later and I'll look over. I didn't see you come in the room, you know. I mean, because I, I, I was focused, you know. I wasn't really listening, right? I wasn't paying attention. Body language matters a lot. I am a person that if you talk to me and you don't look me in the eyes, I'm not going to be happy. I will tell my, look me in the eye. I'll tell my wife. <laughs> She'll be sitting there, you know, looking at her phone, and I'm like, I'm talking to her about something real serious, and she's, you know, playing a game or whatever she's doing, and I'm like, will you put that down and look at me? 
You know, why? I don't feel like you really are paying attention. You're not valuing me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you should be shouting, amen, pastor. I mean, I hate it when I'm talking to so-and-so and and they're on their phone or they're doing something else or they're, you know, it, it makes me feel like I'm not important. It makes me feel like, anybody know what I'm talking about? It makes you feel like you're not valued. You're not, I, I'm just, yeah, whatever, just keep on going, you know. And so, now I'm sure it's the same way with her, you know, that if I don't stop and give her attention when she wants it, well, y'all know what I'm talking about. I need to do it both ways. But our body language says something too. You might say, well, I'm paying attention. I'm listening. Like my son, who wasn't looking at me, was playing his game, listening to every single thing I said, could repeat it, but yet his body language told me what? He's not paying attention to me. And so our body language says something. In other words, are you looking at them? Are you looking interested, not <laughs> glazed over, you know? <laughs> I mean, your jaw dropped, you know, that kind of thing, you know? What I'm saying is, are you looking at them with the intent? I, you, I'm, I'm, I, you're important, and I want to hear what you have to say. Guys, listen to me. These simple skills are important. I mean, you could, the the person that you want to minister to, that you want to see get saved, if you do one of those things that turns them off, you may lose them. That's simple. They're very, very serious. And in relationships, especially marriage or with, with children or the family dynamic, these skills are very, very important. Pay attention. Look, nod your head. Even if sometimes you ever have somebody talk to you, they're real technical, and they might as well be talking Chinese. I'm picking up every other word, you know, and they're talking to me and, and they want to share what they're sharing and they're excited about it, even though I don't understand it. I'm at least going to give them benefit. I'm going to do my best to reach in there and grab every word I can to, to help. And so I will pay attention and I will nod and, and give them the impression that I, I am listening to every word you're saying. I may not understand every word you're saying, but I'm definitely listening. Nod your head, focus on them. Don't sit there like this. I mean, if my wife is upset and I say, Lisa, um, you know, I want to talk to her about something. And she's like this, sitting there like this. That's a sure sign she's not happy. I mean, you know, what? that's a defensive move. That is, you know, I'm, and see, people think they don't realize they're even doing that. They could be doing that in their greeting. Maybe it's someone that teed them off one time and so they do this. Yeah, glad you're here. Boy, that gives them the warm fuzzies, doesn't it? You know, the other person, you know, make sure you're relaxed. You're, you're not guarded, you know, pay attention to how you look. And my wife will say, I'm fine. I'm thinking, no, no, you're not. No, you're not, you know. (laughs) And so I know my wife, like, you know, other people. So, again, just make sure that we're giving signals, we're paying attention, we're listening. And step number four, think before you speak. We mentioned that earlier. Think before you speak. Communicating is not just about the words that we speak. It is how they are spoken. It's important. Proverbs 15.1 A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. <laughs> you know, think about that for a moment. You know, you're, you're in there, you know, especially maybe between brothers and sisters or um, you know, husband and wife, or maybe the di- di- dynamic between 
parent and child or parent and teenager or even young adult. And you're, you're, you're trying to get across your point. And then you ever notice how it starts to escalate if you keep on going? And it gets either louder or stronger or more uh, stronger words are used, stronger language might be used, and it just keeps on escalating. You guys are looking at me like, I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor. I've never seen it before in my life. Yes, you have. Many of you have been involved. And it gets hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter. Did you ever notice that when one gets hotter, the other person ups it a notch? That it comes back and the other person ups it a notch? Until you're almost screaming and they're right there. You know? And when you're screaming like that, you're not getting anywhere. No one's listening to nobody. You're just flapping your gums because you're angry. And then you don't even know why the whole thing started. You don't even know how did we even get here. It was over. Who was going to eat the last ding-dong? Who knows what it was? I mean, at that point, you know. And then you think, oh, man, I've really dug myself in a hole now. And how do I back off from that? And see, the guy's got to be macho. He can't just come down real fast. He's got to come down slow, you know. Here's the deal. If one of you does not respond to the other one, if you kept a soft tone, no matter how upset the other one, have you ever noticed, if you've ever done that or been in that situation, one of the uh, spouses, for example, does not get emotional and stays calm and stays cool, you almost get mad because the other one's not fighting with you. You know, in other words, it's not going anywhere. What's the old phrase? It takes two to tango. In other words, there's no fight. There's no argument if the other one refuses to argue. See, if we could come to that place, we would go a long ways. I'm growing in it. My wife's growing in it. You know, what I mean is not allowing it to escalate. Again, the Bible gives the answer. A soft answer does what? Turns away wrath. But a harsh word does what? Oh, a harsh word just stirs it up and it gets louder and stronger. And, you know, anyway, we'll leave that one at that. The fact is, though, we want to be able to turn it down. So ask yourself, when you're talking, pay attention to tone. Pay attention to, do I sound angry? You know, uh, do you sound sincere? You know, you could say, I'm listening, but you said it in kind of a sassy, you know, sarcastic way. Well, that's not helpful either. Proverbs 15.2 says, The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. In other words, it's almost like a faucet and it just keeps on coming out. Are you speaking in an attitude of love? How about your body language in response, uh, you know, to, your, to the conversation? Are your eyes communicating, I care about you, or are your eyes communicating, what is your problem? You know, in other words, what you have to pay attention. That means you got to keep your cool. You got to stay logical. You know, you got to, I'm not going to allow myself. It's almost, I know for me, it's practice. I have to determine. Sometimes I'll go in there, you know, and I have to bring up an issue. And we're going to get to the last one. It's very important. But I got to bring up an issue. And I'm going to go in there and I'll say, I'm not going to yell this time. I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to get upset. And so I'll go in there and, and maybe Lisa does respond in an aggressive way. 
And my, I could just hear my voice getting deeper and stronger on the inside. Shut up, Ken. Just shut up. Just, just keep it cool. Just keep it cool. You know, and, and sometimes I, I fail at my mission. <laughs> you know, I didn't keep my cool, and I, I allowed it. But <laughs> the fact is, we also need to understand. I'll be honest with you, in marriage, I want you, everybody to listen to me carefully. If you're not communicating, a good, healthy argument's good. Because some communication is better than no communication. See, if you, you ever get in a good argument, then you can make up. <laughs> Little teenagers out there giggling. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? But you can't make up if there's no communication. Sometimes, in other words, sometimes a good healthy argument just kind of clears the air because you haven't been talking in a while. That's why you got in the argument. And then you clear the air, make it right, love on each other, and fix the situation and resolve it. And sometimes it can feel better and you're like, I'm kind of glad we had that because now we've, we're talking again and we're communicating. But I've noticed, you know, I've been married, like I said, a long time. I mean, some of you have beat me, but I'm saying I've been married long enough to know that we've kind of had waves in our communication over the years. Things are different, you know, than they were at one time. But it's important that we're communicating. It's important that we're, we're not just taking each other for granted, that we're not just riding through life assuming she knows what I'm thinking and where my heart is and I know where her heart is and where, what she's thinking. And sometimes it does develop into an argument. And that's okay, as long as that's the end of it. As long as you don't, listen to me carefully. I did tell you a good, healthy argument is not bad. It's not bad. Sometimes it can be a real good thing. What I'm telling you is absolutely a sin and wrong is going to bed angry and not fixing it before you go to sleep. Did you hear what I said? It's not okay for one of you to sleep on the couch. It's not okay. Why? You're going to sow the seed of bitterness and that, is going, that, that thing is going to develop roots, and it's going to cause a real problem. I mean, many, many a times, my wife and I have never gone to bed mad like that. Never, never, never. We've stayed up really late a few times because I wasn't going to go to bed mad. I, I, we're going to fix this thing before we go to bed, and everything will be okay. But if you listen to me, what does the Bible say? Don't let the sun go down on your anger. You want to let the devil in in your marriage and in your life, just go ahead and do that. He'll, 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 he'll get in there and you'll find it hard to get out. If hard to weed him out of everything because he's got a foothold in there then. But you keep, you, in other words, what I'm trying to say is there's no sin in an argument. If you argued, argued. The issue is, did you make up? You know, I don't know about you. My family is a hot-headed family. Naturally. If you come to our house and all my kids are there, it's going to be a loud dinner, okay? Not that there's yelling and screaming. It, they're just loud. They're always saying, oh, Dad, you, you, this is the way I'll say it, you know. Dad, you talk too loud. You're always excited. And I always say, I'm not excited, I'm passionate, you know. But what I'm saying is the kids are doing exactly what they're picking me, you know, on me for. My son, oh my gosh, he'll make fun of my laughing. And then it's like listen to a recording as he's going on, you know. I mean, what I'm trying to say is we're just loud. You go to another family and they're real quiet and elegant and no one says anything. Man, I would feel uncomfortable in that situation, you know. But what I'm saying is you are who you are in that respect. It's just walking in love. 
right? Somebody might actually look at my family and think, boy, they're an angry bunch. <laughs> We're not. We love each other. We don't hold grudges against each other. Am I right, Lisa? I mean, the kids will just say their piece and do their thing, but they'll be the first one to back you up. You know what I'm saying? But it could be interpreted by someone else, you know, that they're a passionate bunch. <laughs> All right, last one. Step five, and probably one of the most valuable ones. Ready? Timing is everything. Timing is everything. Timing is extremely important, and it can make all the difference in communicating. Proverbs 25, 11 through 12, the Message Bible says, The right word at the right time is like a custom-made piece of jewelry, and a wise friend's timely reprimand is like a gold ring slipped onto your finger. Now, somebody might read that and say, Okay, I'm not understanding the jewelry. (laughs) I don't get the gold ring. The right word at the right time is the point. Everybody say it with me. The right word at the right time. Okay? We can have the right word at the wrong time. We can have the right time, but have the wrong word. What we want to have is the right word at the wrong time. What he's saying is this. Now listen closely. I got everybody's attention. Say, I'm listening, Pastor. The right word at the right time is like a custom-made piece of jewelry. Now, who do you go to? for a custom-made piece of jewelry. You go to an an artist, somebody who can craft that jewelry. It's custom-designed. He puts thought and effort into it. In other words, he's carefully looking at it, and he takes the time to create it, right? That is how you get a right word at the right time. You can't just have a right word at the right time, typically by accident. Let's say you have to deal with a situation or a difficulty. You have to sit down with your spouse or a coworker, or, or maybe uh, someone you supervise or whatever it might be. And you're going to have to sit down and have a very difficult, hard conversation. Well, what he's saying is give thought to it. Pray about it. In other words, artfully craft this. Think about when's the right time. To do this and the right words to say so look what he says here uh, he says here the right word at the right time is like a custom-made piece of jewelry so we made a piece of jewelry didn't we right with the right time the right word now notice what it says verse 12 is the application of it a wise friend's timely reprimand what's a reprimand that's correcting someone That's dealing with a difficult situation. A friend is dealing with another friend. It says, a wise friend's timely reprimand or correction is like a gold ring slipped onto his finger. So in other words, it's like a gift. So that's how the other person's going to receive it. You see that. In communication, if you want what needs to be communicated and to get across and fix a situation, what he's saying is there's a right time and there's a right way to do it. And thoughtfully craft this. Don't, it's not being deceitful. It's praying about it. It's thinking about it. How will they receive this? What should I say? How should I say it? And when I should say it? And if I do it right, listen carefully, if I do it right, then the person receiving the correction will thank me. It's like I gave them a precious gift. You see that? The beauty of that? Let me give you an example of that in my own life. 
This is just one example. Most of you know that I, where I come from, and my old pastor, Pastor Jerry, and uh, years and years ago, when I, when I first started uh, working for him, I was, uh, I was the youth leader, and we were going to do our first camp with a new church we had just started. And so I had never done a youth camp before at that point. I've done many, many since, but this was my very first one. And so I went ahead and created basically a plan. It was only going to be a couple of days. Again, my first one. And so my pastor, he, he saw kind of what I was going to do. And so he told his son, go ahead and make an appointment for me to go ahead and, and meet him. Well, that made me nervous right there that he wanted to meet me. And he said, he called, uh, he got a call, said, hey, I tell you what, he's going to come by and pick you up and take you out. And so he took me over to a Brahms. We sat down and had an ice cream. I had no idea what this conversation was going to be about. I don't even know why I was there, okay? I had a sneaky suspicion something's up, but anyway, he buys me, you know, whatever I wanted. We sat down. We just talked about whatever. He bragged on me. He loved on me. He told me how good I was doing. And then right in the middle there, he said, but there's one little thing that we need to talk about. Now, he lifted me up, he puffed me up, he made me feel good, he valued me, and then he said this, he said, now remember, this is communicating the truth in love, and he said, but there's one thing that we need to talk about, and he talked about this one little issue, and he said, so, you know, and I, I discussed it, I understood what he wanted out of me and the adjustment he wanted me to make regarding it, and then he went right back to, boy, I sure appreciate you, and I appreciate all you do, and, you know, I'm so glad to have you in my life, and he went right back to bragging on me and loving on me, and I realized he just built a sandwich, and the meat of that sandwich <laughs> was the correction, but I couldn't even tell. I felt so good when he was done with me, like a million dollars. Like my pastor loved me that much and he values me that much and he had me just on a high and I'm running to do what? I'm running to go home so I can work on what he wanted me to work on. Now that could have been, Ken, I got to talk to you. Come meet me at my office. Blah, 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 blah. Fix it, fix it, fix it. Now get out of here. Go on. Now, how well do you think that would have went over? But see, notice how he did it. The right time, the right place. He put care into that. He prayed about it. He thought about it. He thought how he would approach it. And then when he sat down, he just loved on me and communicated that, bragged about me, made me feel good that I was... I, I wanted to give him my life even more. I wanted to do more for him when we were done. And here he did correct me in the middle of it. Now what does the Bible say that about a father who corrects his son? That's the father who loves his son. But see, there's a way to do it. There's a way to communicate. Sometimes we have to deal with difficult situations, uh, difficult challenges in relationships. But there's a way to do it. Don't just run in, barge in and do it. Don't have a, a huge, enormous conversation with your spouse about a really big issue five minutes before you got to be at a friend's wedding or something. Well, you're just looking for trouble there. I mean, come on. You didn't thoughtfully think about the right time, the right place. You're going to deal with uh, one of your children or grandchildren or somebody in your life or maybe uh, somebody that works for you. And you love them and you want the best for them. See, that's the part that's motivated by love. But it still has to be corrected. It still has to be adjusted. 
We still have to do this. Then what you do is you thoughtfully craft that. You prayed about it. You, Lord, I, want, I don't want to hurt them. I want to help them. And so you, you really put some effort into it. And guess what? They're going to look at your correction as a gift. They're going to look at you and say, man, I appreciate that. Now, can you imagine in marriage if we were to husband and wife were to approach each other that way when it comes to a big issue? How much different it would be? No one wants to say anything, but I'll say it. Yes, pastor, that would be good. Amen. I mean, think about you had to deal with you know, a, a child or someone or just any issue, whatever it is. Everybody say it with me again. Right word, right time. Amen? So in other words, timing is everything. And so let's real quickly just wrap everything up. Let's review real fast on our, our steps to building better relationships. And if we'll do these things, if we'll act on them, even just one, just commit to one a week. Okay, and slowly build your way up. Number one was put God first. Number two was seek to understand. Number three was really listen. Number four was think before you speak. And number five, timing is everything. Guys, if we'll put the effort into our relationships, we'll reap that effort back. It will be better than it was. Amen.